What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Fear Alchemist. My name is Ben, your host. And before we get started, I want to tell you about a new workshop that I'm doing on June 6th at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. That is June 6th. I'm inviting you to the Limitless Income Workshop. And the main question that I want to ask you is, do you know that you're doing everything right in your business, but you can't get past the income barrier? Whatever your goal is, you get close to it, but for some reason, you just can't get past it. Like No matter how hard you try, you always just feel stuck. So if you're nodding your head and you're like, yep, that's me, I've done all the things, I, I know what to do, but I just can't get past that invisible barrier that I feel, then this is for you. So I would love to see you there. It's going to be a blast. Um, this is free. So go ahead and click the link in the description. Go click click the link in the show notes. And I'd love to see you there. So um, all right, y'all. Go sign up for that workshop. And let's get on with this episode with Ajit. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Fear Alchemist. I'm your host, Ben. And I'm excited to have the only word that I think keeps coming to mind for Ajit is legend. And I don't know if he would call himself a legend, but in the way, I think that even makes him more legendary (laughs) is that he doesn't think as himself as really better than anyone else. Um, But Ajit, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you so much for inviting me, Ben. I'm excited to have a great conversation with you. Yeah, and it's... So my first question for you would be, before we get into your story a little bit, because definitely like go check out Ajit's podcast, your book. You have so many resources that talk about your story, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk about it a little bit because I know it's connected to your experience with fear. But what would you say is your relationship with fear as a kid and how has it evolved into like who you are today? Mm, so... I've I've shared my story many times, but never in context of fear. So so this will be a first, but it is it has a very intertwined relationship for sure. So um, I grew up in India, India in a small city, Jaipur, and uh, I, I grew up really humbly. Like I I lived with parents, like everybody does, and uh, fortunate ones do. Uh, and but we were also my grandparents and my cousins, and everybody was sharing the same space. So we were like twenty three some people. Uh, in the same house for my entire childhood, uh, even my early adulthood. And so it was a busy house, as you can imagine, 23 people living together. And uh, while we were together, what had happened for me very, or what became present to me very early on is, while I have an amazing, loving family, which were very service-oriented, as I realized later in life how, how much they did for a community, what I learned very, or what I became present to very early on in life is that they hadn't learned how to take care of themselves, uh, especially when it came to finances and, and money. And that really created this drive in me to be able to discover something that was different than what was present to me. Now, at that time, I didn't correlate that to fear at all. I just, I just correlated that to ambition and drive that, that I had. Only in time did I recognize that every single time you truly chase your desire, you truly chase an ambition, the first fight that you have or first um, challenge that you have is in your mind with the real fears that are invisible in many ways. They're not present like a physical threat, but they are invisible to you. And that takes a toll on you. You just don't recognize it at that time because you don't identify it as fear itself. 
Um, it became present to me in time as I continued my journey and started to do things that were really scary to me and even scarier to people around me who really cared for me. That early on, I built a relationship with, and, and I and I and I and I used to say this uh, to my dad all the time because he would be so scared for me. Is and I'll say it in Hindi because that's my my father speaks Hindi more more fluently and I speak more fluently that as well. So I used to used to tell him, "Itna daringe to aage kaise bharenge? Itna daringe to aage kaise bharenge?" Which translates as, "If I will fear so much, how will I move forward?" Oof. Right. That's literally the translation of that. And I, I kept saying that to my father, but it was more so I was saying that to myself because everything that happened ever since I turned 18 was incredibly not in the realm of commonality. Uh, so I, I, I was training to become an engineer, which is a very beautiful profession for especially people that, that look my color. And if you're an American or listening in America, you have seen an Indian man and you have said, he's probably an engineer. Uh, or you've said, he's a doctor. And those are the two professions that you take in India. And if you don't take those professions, you are kind of like, you know, the, the black sheep of the family in some way or some kind of education-based profession. And while I was training to be an engineer, I realized that I love math and I love physics and I still do, but I didn't like the idea of engineering because the careers that are available to engineers are actually pretty redundant. You actually don't use math and engineering so much. You are a bug tester at best if you become a technical graduate for a big part of your career until you get some progress. And I didn't see that myself doing that. I felt, I, I felt that might give me the abundance, but it won't give me joy. And that was my first scary thing to do at a really young age to simply just quit. And, and I didn't quit it. Like I was so scared that I couldn't even tell my father that's what I was going to do. And so I wrote him a letter, uh, a literally a physical letter in that time where I, I wrote a physical letter said, I want to say this to you, but I have no courage to say this to you. So I'm going to give you a letter. So you understand what I truly feel. And, uh, and that, and I'm just really grateful that I have a loving family. So they were very supportive for the, of it, even when they were scared of it. Uh, which they very clearly communicated. They clearly shared with me that we don't know what you're going to do. We don't think you should be doing it. But at the same point in time, this is your life. We can support you for another two, three years. And that was very clearly stated by them that we don't have the money to you know, get you a business or buy you something or give you advanced education. We just don't have the money for any of it. Uh, we can get you supported for two, three years, which is how much it takes to graduate a college. And then you're on your own after that. And that was my first full stint with fear, like where I was clear that I am going into something that is insane from the perspective of what my understanding of the world was at the time. And at the same point in time, I did it because I knew what my great desire was and my big uh, vision was. So that, that was that. Dang, dude. Okay, there's so much goodness in here. And I knew this was going to be good. I just had a feeling, but this is already fire. Fuego. So it's... So the saying that you said to your dad is, if I fear so much, how will I ever move forward? Mm -hmm. I love that. And what's even more important and that a lot of people don't realize, like you said, right, is we don't think it's fear is the thing that's like, the, the thing that we feel that's just like, why can't I do this thing? Or what's preventing me from taking action and moving forward is most likely fear. And when you... Because one thing I will always say to people is like, um, fear reveals your desire. 
So in the same way that your desire will also have a correlating fear to it. So I think you were 18 at this point, right? When you decided to completely change directions, which is really cool. And I know that I've talked and coached so many people who have a fear of disappointing family, especially if they're from an immigrant family. You know, it's just like, this is the way that you do things. And, you know, your business partner's friends with Sahara, you know, and like she's been on the podcast and she's talked about how her dad literally disowned her, you know, like, and fortunately your parents at least had like a, we don't have anything to give you, but here you go. But regardless, there's some type of fear or terror or resistance that comes into like following that desire, following that dream. Why do you think, was it just in you? Like why at 18, when you had no perspective, really, like why were you able to be like, I'm going to do this because I just know this is what I want? I think the, the thing that happened for me, I'm fortunate about it, is that I grew up in in a surrounding. So like I said, I, I was blessed that while, yes, there were 23 people sharing the household, I had my grandfather present pretty much until I was 13 or 14 years old. And then he passed. Um, I had my father present throughout my career, and he has been my mentor, one of my first early mentors. Um, I I was blessed with certain teachers that showed up in my life and who challenged my worldview, or at least the way they said things made me feel like I must challenge mine. And and because of that, and and I've always been, I, I don't know if it's my DNA or it's because of my upbringing. I don't know if it's my nature or it's my nurture, but it's been an attitude for me where I've always led with curiosity of, of discovery, of unknowingness of anything. Even when I know something, I'm mostly curious about knowing something more about something that I know. And because of that, it's, it was not a question of while it was scary, I knew what, what I know. I know here's what, what I knew, what I knew at that point is what I know is not enough to create what I want to create. Mm. Right. And so at some point I have to find and discover. And I knew that that discovery couldn't happen in the world I was living in because nobody living in that world was living the life I desired. Does it make sense? Yes. So I I would look at my cousins. I looked at everybody that was because India is a really tight knit community, like in India, culture of community is very strong, at least was at the time. I can't speak to it now, but it's really, really, we're very family-oriented culture. And by family, just doesn't mean your parents. Family means cousins and everybody, right? And nobody really was living a life where I was like, oh, you know what? That person, that person is inspiring for me. Like, I couldn't find that. And I knew I wouldn't, I knew that the world couldn't be of people that there is nobody that could inspire me. Because, of course, I saw movies and and all of the stuff which, which talks about great individuals doing great things. So like there is a world full of people where talking to them would inspire me and being with them would inspire me. But I didn't have that access just yet. And to be able to create my life, I need that access first. I need to know how to even find people that are excited to create something than what they know already. So that was my first step to kind of leaning into that it's not, I can't succumb to fear. That's where the statement comes in because I had to constantly tell myself that you can't settle for fear. You have to do something that is different than what you have done ever before for, or at least meet people that were different than what you are meeting right now 
because there's no way I will discover something that is new and different if I'm not meeting anybody new and different. Mm-hmm. And that really got me really, really interested, curious, and moving along of asking for mentorship, for example, from people that I didn't even know properly or coaching from individuals that I couldn't afford. And that's where I think the world is beautiful as much as we hear the bad news all the time is people are always willing to give if you ask in the right way. Uh, and and that was the that was the magic of that of that journey from 18 until even today is that I've had blessing of the right person showing at the right time, giving me the right kind of edge of going, oh, you think, you know, here, here is something for you. Oh, you think you've figured it out. Here is something for you. Oh, you think you dream big. Here is something for you to, mm. to kind of consider. Not in a way which is, you know, it feels like a pressure on me, but feels like a exciting opportunity to explore further. Mm, I love that. And I've definitely had a similar experience where it really does seem like that people always arrive at the perfect time to to expand just how I see the world. And so... To kind of like round that up, it sounds like in your young 18-year-old mind, it was like you couldn't just, it was binary to you. I'm a very similar way of like, if I don't do this, then I don't get the thing I want. So even though I'm scared, it's like I have no other option. Mm -hmm. Very much. It was pretty binary. And it was also, you know, there's, and I don't know if it's true for many people, but there's a point in our lives, or at least was true for me, there was a point in my life where I said, it can't get worse than this. (laughs) Like there is like, this is as bad as it gets. I'm not saying it's true. It was true for me because again, I had a loving family and a lot of people don't grow up with that. So I had a lot still from the lens of how the world can be shaped. But at the same point now, like this, it can't get worse than this. I live in a house. I live in one room. I'm 18 years old. There's no space for me. I my Our bathroom was one third the size of the room that is my office. Uh, so it was literally like you, 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 you didn't even have enough space to take a bath. And we, and by bath, we had a, you know, like in India, we didn't have running water. So you had to fill up the water and you would use a bucket to take a bath. That's how I grew up. And it wasn't enough space that I could even stretch my legs or anything like that. We had to be tight to be able to do that. So like, it can't get worse than this. Like there's this, this is the worst it can get. So I got nothing to lose. If I would just simply leap at this point, the worst fall is me being back here, which I'm already at. So who cares? Right. So there was a suspension of fear also because there was a there was a story in my mind that this is the worst it gets. Right. Which also going forward created gratitude in my mind. Because going forward, every every day I wake up with, wow, this is this is unimaginable what I do today or how I live today. This is all gravy. This is all bonus uh, because the worst case scenario is still the the old self. It says, well, that you were perfectly fine there. And if that, that is the way to live. That's not that bad because you still had a loving family. You still had, you know, people around you. It was a great community. Uh, you were getting to eat. Uh, it wasn't like the basic needs can still be fulfilled fairly easily. So now fear becomes a lot easier to deal with in 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 that sense because the worst is not that bad. Mm, and that was kind of my next question: is now with the light you with the life that you've built, do you still have worry or fear, or whatever, of like losing what you've built or what you have? So do I have a fear of I could lose it all? Yes. At the same point of time, I think there is um, there's a confidence in process 
that I also have. I don't have confidence in outcome because I don't know how to do that, mm. but I have a confidence in process. But the difference between those thing, two things is, for me, is a confidence in outcome is saying, oh, I can get back to where I am. I don't know if that can happen. I have no idea. I can't see the future. But I do know that I can do what I did and I can find that strength to be able to continue to do what I did, which was always something listening to my heart, doing the right thing to do, always being self-service oriented, always being love oriented, all of that stuff, doing the hard work that I need to do, uh, being mindful, aware, helping as many people I can, all the things that I did to get to where I am. I know I can, I have the confidence that I can do that again. I, I have all the energy to be able to do that again. Will the outcome be the same? I don't know. Am I attached to the outcome? I am not. So I do have the fear of you could lose it all. I don't think anybody that says I, I don't have that fear would, would be lying, I would think, because there's no way you can suspend that fear uh, because you could lose it all. I, it would be very ignorant to think you can't uh, because, I mean, worse things have happened to people, right? Mm, dude, that's so beautiful. I just got chills. And what you just said is really like the whole point of this podcast is to talk to quote unquote successful people, you know, who the world looks to and you're like, you know, Ajit has it all together. He he doesn't feel fear anymore. You know, he's like, he's got, he's confident, like he, he's just got it. And that's one thing that I definitely like in my past, why I started a podcast is because I wanted to find answers. You know, I was like, who has the answer? Like who has it all figured out? And then eventually I realized, oh, like no one does. Like we all might have something figured out more than other people. And then we share that, you know, but it's for you. And I'm curious, you shared with your own, but with the people you've coached and like collaborated with, um, just for people to listen to, to really get it in their brain and in their heart of, because from what I found is that everyone is still worried about something or still insecure about something. Like what have you seen that's even surprised you? from like the level of success, the level of coaches, the level of businesses, what has surprised you when working with those, you know, high level entrepreneurs or business owners about their insecurities or fear and stuff like that? So it, what I've found to be true for pretty much, I, I would say anybody that I've worked with is that the insecurity actually becomes more when you mm -hmm. really talk to them. They might put a, they they may not say that uh, as straightforward as one would expect, uh, but if you if you lean into if you get into that personal relationship, uh, the insecurity is omnipresent because what what happens with more success even even if you're a very regulated person if you're really profound and really have a good understanding of self with more success comes more expectations not just from yourself but from the world around you. There is a standard that the world wants you to, to put together. And at the end of it, you know, in your heart of hearts, that you're still human. You can fulfill all of the standards that the hope that the, that the world wants you to have. So while people do say, like, if I, if somebody was to put on stage, they will probably never admit to it. But <laughs> if you really, really sit down with, you know, one of those late night conversations or one of those coaching related conversations where you're really being open about everything, you would find that the undertone that everybody has, or at least I've found to have, irrespective of the volume of the size of success they've had, is everybody is insecure. And it's just that what they've done is they've 
found a really good way to manage that insecurity. They've found, and everybody has their own version of that. Sometimes it is how they talk to themselves and how they what they tell themselves every morning. It could be how they correlate with people or change the dialogue with people. It could be about the information that they feed into their minds or not feed in their minds. So there are many tools to be able to really organize that insecurity. And it is different for different individuals because it depends on what's triggering it for a person. So what they've done is they've found really good ways to organize and manage it because they know that there is no way they're getting rid of it, right? They're just, it's just there in their life and it's going to be a part of them. It's not bad. It's a part, it's there, it's a part of them. They learn how to work with it a lot well than most other people, which is why they can still stay functional, even if insecurity creeps in, even if uh, a person starts to doubt themselves and go, oh, should I do this? Should I not do this? It, it doesn't matter to them anymore because they can simply go, okay, you know what? I, I, I know how to work with it and this is going to be here and I'm going to not let it stop me. I have these other tools that will help me progress forward. So I think that's that's the big difference. But, but insecurity, and they have different insecurities. Some have how they look, uh, some have what they have, some some have, so it shows up differently for everyone, but it's always there. Mm, dude, thank you for sharing that. And that thing, what you just said is so liberating. And I feel like it's partially like a misconception of, you know, the spirituality, self-development, whatever you want to call it world is because we all preach like essentially enlightenment, you know, like get rid of your fear, get rid of it. And so it's like when we're not doing that thing, then it's like, I still feel this is something wrong with me. But I feel like what you mentioned of like, well, it doesn't mean that it goes away. You now are gaining the tools of how to manage that. And with that, like, is that accurate? Where it's like just taking that expectation of like, I want this thing to go away versus just like, oh, here's instead of letting it stop me and let it like overwhelm me and let it like just ruin everything. It's like now I'm able to alchemize that thing into productivity or to peace or to focus or to whatever. Um, absolutely. I mean, let's let's wonder for a second. Let's imagine anybody that we know and that we aspire for or we look up to and we think, okay, this is one person that absolutely does not feel insecurity or or fear. Let's imagine their life, not from a lens of what you see on the ground, but how they live their life, right? Somebody wakes up in the morning, let's say this is, and let's assume somebody who is the, one of the richest people in the world, Elon Musk. He wakes up in the morning and he goes, oh, I just bought Twitter. And he tweets something and there are a thousand people that love him and about 10,000 people or about a thousand people that hate him. Do you feel for a moment, he goes, I don't feel insecure about this. No, he goes, fuck, that's insane. Like, is this really happening? Like I'm from his perspective, he is doing the best he can. And I'm not saying he's good or bad. That's not my decision to make, but it's, it's the same narrative. You can think about the richest person. They get the same slack as the person that is regular Joe who's just doing his thing. And they get the same slack. It's just the volume is different. But as the volume goes up and down, it also increases regulation for the person because they have to manage it. They get less time to manage it. But if they're a human being, they will feel it. Now, I cannot speak for spiritual mastery. Again, I haven't sat down with somebody who who claims to be the one above all or something like that. I'm sure there are people like that, but I haven't sat down with one of them. I don't know if that is somebody somebody I would even want to sit down with because I feel it's very egotistical for somebody to assume that or assume that role for themselves. Uh, but 
yeah, that, that individual I can't speak for, but a human being that is on this planet as having a human experience with emotions being very much a part of it, day to day, minute to minute, insecurity is not going to go away. Fear mm-hmm. is not going to go away. Like moments of confidence are not going to go away, right? It's just how you channel them. How long does it take for you to channel them? Um, and what are your systems around it that helps you channel them is what's mm. important, I think. I love that. And it's something you said really stood out to me because I feel like part of the problem is people don't know how to identify the fear, right? They don't know like, what is that? Like, it's like you can't see it. You know something's underneath the surface, but you don't know what it is. And one of those big things I've found is the fear of success because what you mentioned right now becomes more. Mm-hmm. Now, instead of my mom telling me what I'm doing wrong, now I have 500 people on social media telling me mm-hmm. what I'm doing wrong. So, and what, even just like the financial, yeah, like you said, like the, there's more expectation that comes with it and the accountability and the responsibility. I'm curious, what have you felt and or seen and dealt with in that realm of like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that this was going to be something I'd learn. I'd have to learn that came, that comes with my success. So I have a reframe around that. I mm. I found fear of success creates more fear than actually the fear that is going to be experienced if you are successful. Um, so so I I like to say there is no fear of success. I'm not saying I'm psychologically correct here. I'm talking about the reframe that uh, that that I think is important from my perspective or was important to me from my perspective is I don't fear success. I don't go, oh, wow, I, I'd rather be unsuccessful than be successful. There's no part of me that says, oh, no, I'd rather you know not get the success I've gotten. I'd rather be something else or less successful. I don't think that's... So that's why I don't like to frame it as a fear of success. It's a fear of uh, not being enough, maybe. It may be a fear of confidence at that level. It may be fear of... Um, not being able to fulfill an expectation. It's a very different fear because if you frame the fear correctly, like you mentioned, if you know exactly what that fear is and you have a framing of that fear that works for you, you can find the right tool for it. So for example, if it's a framing of confidence, which is probably what it is to me at least, or that's how I deal with it. It's like, it's not that I'm fearful of successful. I just don't know if I have the confidence to be able to live up to the expectation for the success that I have, right? So it's a confidence issue. Well, confidence is a skill. It's something that you can always nurture. You can nurture more and more every single day. You will be shitty at it first, then you'll get better at it, and then you will get really, really good at it because confidence is conditional. Confidence is, are you confident when you're talking to Ben or on a podcast? Your first podcast interview, you're going to suck at it, of course. But once you've done the 100th, you won't be seeking confidence. You have the confidence because you've done a hundred of those, right? So you're like, oh no, I, I know how to navigate a conversation. I know how to engage with a podcast host. And by the thousandth of them, you would sound like Joe Rogan or whoever is your favorite podcaster, right? Uh, and that's kind of how confidence is built. And so, well, if it's a confidence issue, let's build it as a skill. Let's work with that fear in that context. So the context in the container of the, the identification of fear is key, like you said. And, and I think it's important that we play the same trick with our mind like our mind tries to play with us. Our mind, by default, is lazy. Like it doesn't want to do the work because it wants to conserve energy. But you can play the same trick with your mind by framing the right, uh, the right thing that you want to solve. So something that is solvable, right? Because what is, how do you solve fear of success? 
Like it's so hard to work with that definition because first you have to define what success means. How does that implicate you? Is that actually helping you solve the fear or are you actually making the fear bigger because now you're defining, oh, you know what I'm scared of? I'm scared of 100,000 people on my social media profile because I don't know how to engage with them. You're creating fear. It might be automatic when you do have 100,000 people on your social media or a million people, right? So I think the framing is very, context is very important. And if you contextualize it in a solvable way, you will solve it a lot more faster than a not well-defined way. Then that's why I like to make everything super small so I can solve it, right? Because my mind will solve it faster because it's an easier thing for it to solve versus something really complex and something um uh, something you know that's not something that's not even well defined like success mm, like i can tell like your mind like what you just said it's it's interesting to like compare what you're saying now to even like what you you know believed as an 18 year old it really is like fascinating to me to just see like how like you said small and solvable but it's just like binary Right. Is like, but part of your gift and from what I've observed also is a lot of people who have that gift of intellect live up here. I also like you live here too, like in your heart. How have you met? Like, has that been a journey for you to like come into your body, to come into your heart, to like, like open your heart? What has that journey been like for you? Yeah, I, I used to live very much in my head. I think my discovery of my heart-centeredness happened because of, firstly, because of a dark night of the soul type event where I had a partner before in my life and I, I thought I was in love with them, but I wasn't. And mm. I thought they were in love with me and I don't think they were. And and while I experienced that, um, I found that I didn't know myself very well. Like not intellectually, I understood myself, but I didn't understand myself. I didn't understand what I'd really hold important in my life. And then my now partner, Nita, who I think has been on your podcast as well, and also as business partners with Sahara in the same business, is uh, came into my life and she was the one who really invited me to, to consider that there was more than heart and thinking and mm-hmm. that there is body and there is emotions. and there is feelings that you have that you don't have to suppress. You have to regulate and channel, right? And that really dropped me into understanding of an even more powerful thing than anybody's intellect is, is the understanding of one's emotions. Uh, because your intellect can only take you that far. It can make you a great engineer, maybe even a great entrepreneur, but a great human uh, needs to be able to go, oh crap, that's what I'm feeling. This is what's happening for me right now. And how do I tune that into uh, whatever needs to be experienced? Because sometimes it's just an experience of life and nothing needs to be done with it. Or it needs to be channeled into something, right? Fear and insecurity, I think, is usually something that can be channeled because it's a good compass. It's a good compass for us to discover what's, uh, what needs to be realized, what needs to be found, what needs to be discovered. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of an interesting play that needs to happen there. Uh, but you need to channel it. You need to kind of go, okay, I, I fear this and I'm going to own it now and I'm going to make what I can make out of this. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where that 
I think the dropping in the heart and really being able to recognize my emotional body and my physical body and being able to identify all of that was uh, was an after fact of finding a right partner that showed me how to do that and and demonstrated uh, on how to do that. And because of that, it was it became more present to me is that's how I like to live my life than just my intellectual self, which is not bad, but it's not as wonderful as I experienced life to be now. Mm. That is beautiful. And I definitely experienced the same. The same. I remember, so my partner, Belle, I remember when we first got together, she literally put her hand on my heart and just say, open, open. Because like looking back at it now, I was really like terrified of opening and feeling. And so I'm curious if, if you have anything that you feel called to share of, was that like nerve wracking for you? Was it scary for you? Like, do you have any moments or memories when it was like, oh shit, like I'm tapping into this and it feels like a lot? Mm-hmm. Quite a few. I think I think the first one was being... So the first one where I really tapped into the emotional body or or my heart center, if I may, was, was being even open to love again was I think the first scary thing because I had, I had fought the world, one would say, for my previous partner. Uh, because she was uh, Italian in origin. My family was like, are you really serious that you wanted to be with someone where we cannot understand a word of what she talks about? And you don't understand anything what their family says. So it's like, like I said, we are community focused and family focused. So I fought the world to be with this particular person. And I was wildly wrong for myself and for for her as well. Um, and and so I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm meant for a relationship. Maybe it's just, you know, I just don't have a good read on this and I need to take a long pause to rediscover relationships. The first discovery or the first scary thing was that, uh, to be able to find. And then I think ever since that happened and I felt that I started to feel things versus I wanted to know things, mm-hmm. uh, if that makes any sense. What started to happen is I started making intuitive decisions for everything in life. So pretty much everything, you, you, even business is a very intuitive decision. It's not actually something that I go, oh, you know, this mathematically makes sense. It may not make any sense mathematically. And I would go, no, I feel right about this. So I'm going to go do this, right? And and as I go do this, I, I found opportunities that otherwise I wouldn't have ever found uh, because it it's completely intuitive. It doesn't make sense in the realm of understanding of what I was doing before that to doing something completely different or something that was extraordinary from, and that has helped me, of course, create a phenom- many phenomenal businesses at this point. So, so that kept became becoming, it became reinforced many times uh, through firstly personal life. Then it leaned into my, my friendships because there was a point where I felt like I don't have deep, meaningful friendships which took a tremendous amount of vulnerability to reach out to people I knew and kind of communicate directly or indirectly that I wanted to be friends with them. And I wanted to be a better friend, which is a nerve wracking thing to send to someone to say, Hey, um, I've not been a great friend with you (laughs) and I want to be a better friend. And I'm going to make this attempt. Uh, I just want to share that with you. I don't expect anything in return, but here's what I'm going to try. So if that bothers you, let me know. But if not, this is just from me. You don't have to do anything. Right. Because it has a lot of, uh, you know, rejection that can happen that there's a lot of fear around. Will the person think I'm weird, especially a guy sending another message to another <laughs> guy or sometimes sending it to another girl? Mm-hmm. It can feel weird. Right. And in, in this how the society 
is uh, structured. So yeah, that's kind of uh, that's kind of where I was. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing. That's so cool. And one thing that stuck out is when you said from knowing something, from mm. thinking something to feeling something. I, ironically, I felt that just because I feel like it's not just men. You know, it's definitely our whole society is logic based, and people don't realize like how it can even benefit your business so much, right? Because you just said you got opportunities that you wouldn't even realize could be possible because our mind is limited. Um, so, and yeah, just because going back into that, like the feeling, like uh, it's, to me, is just like feeling was scary. And as a kid, it was like, I know for me, right? It was like, okay, it was just a survival mechanism to like, okay, I'm going to shut off my feeling. This is too much. And I'm just going to be positive all the time because then I'm validated for that. Oh, Ben's always the positive one. Then I, you know, repeat that story and then I carry on with my life. And I'm like, why am I like, blah? Like, even though I'm technically positive all the time, it's still not like, like there's really actually no feeling behind it. It's like a mental concept of being positive. Like, do you relate or have any experience with that in your life? Not, not, I mean, I, I don't have direct experience of that. I, I didn't feel, I, I may have been the person and I still might sound like a person who's always positive. At the same point of time, I don't, I, I don't see a joy in life that is just positive all the time. Like, it's just not, it's like, it's like saying, watching a movie that just only good things are happening every second. While yes, it might sound like a great idea, but as a story, it's boring. Uh, as a story, it doesn't have any juice. You need, and very important. One thing that I've realized is without conflict and without uh, without um, drama, in a way, the the growth cannot happen. It's just not possible. The growth or any growth that is in a person's life happens through pain of some sort. It doesn't have to physically mean painful, but it has to be painful in some way because every growth is almost like unlocking a code in ourselves. It's like, oh, you want to grow. It needs to unlock a code in your body, in your soul, in your mind, or whatever that may be. And to unlock, it's like, you know, the key must turn. And if the key must turn, you need to apply pressure to the key. It must have that pain for you to discover, oh, crap, that's what that's what it is, right? You may have the perfect worldview today, but it's only going to give you growth when that worldview is kind of destroyed because a new worldview is required for that growth to really occur, Otherwise, you are going to stay where you are, which means psychologically, you will go through psychological pain or spiritual pain or emotional pain or physical pain for you to create anything. If you want to build muscle, you can't find the most easy way to create muscle. You have to uh, break that muscle down for you to actually build it. It is pain that is created in that muscle and that fabric in that reality of ours for us to find that new model, that strength, that strength that is realized and needed for growth, or you must settle. That's the only other way is to say, all right, I'm willing to settle. And I don't need to grow. I don't need to discover anything more. I'm somebody who's happy where I am and I don't need to go anywhere. Perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with that decision of life, but then know that you're choosing that decision of life. Know that that, that, is, that, is, that is what you have decided life to be, if that's the decision you want to make. <laughs> they knew that so good. And what I have found, right, is on a biological level, fear is essentially the aversion of pain. 
right? And so it's like, well, I don't want to experience pain because it feels like death. And like you said, there's a new world view. And it's like, well, now I'm getting out of my comfort zone. Like what I know ceases to exist. It changes, it morphs, whatever. And, but the thing that usually happens, right, is like we have this fear of pain or suffering or whatever, but it tends to create the exact thing we're trying to avoid. So it's like, well, I don't want to suffer because I'm afraid of this thing. It's like we actually are, that settling is the fearful response. And then you actually are creating your own suffering. Yeah. Right. So what, and what is, who said the thing is like, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Yeah. I don't know who said it, but I've heard that. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, honestly, dude, I've fun. I've fought against that in my life because it's like, I want to be like, almost like invincible, a right Mm -hmm. of like, essentially not feeling pain and being like indestructible. But I'll just say like, that's actually a painful existence. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Ironically, Um, trying to like, trying to not feel and all that stuff. But for someone who's listening, or someone who's watching you from the outside in, or and saying, man, like Ajit, like he's done all these cool things. And yeah, like he's saying all these clips, like this is an inspirational, informational podcast. Like I'm getting so much from it, like in the mind and in the heart. If you feel called to share, what is something that you feel like in this moment or recently? What is that? What has your your key? Like maybe it's not turned all the way yet, but you feel that pain, like you feel it turning. It's like, ooh, that's uncomfortable. So there, there are many, first of all, <laughs> there is, there's a lot of them. Like I was uh, challenged by one of them literally yesterday, but, mm. but I'm also somebody who seeks pain. So like I'm, I'm seeking where is that area in my life where I am settled. And if I want to go there just yet, it's not always that I want to go there. Sometimes it's not the time for it or it's not priority for me. But literally yesterday, uh, yesterday was one part of it, but it's been the key that I've been turning for for probably two weeks now. But what I found is that I have uh, I have a money dial, like all, all of us have a money dial. It's turned up to a particular level, which kind of defines what you make, right? So if you uh, just write down, hey, this is the amount of money I can make in a year. That's probably the upper limit that you have defined for yourself. And that's how much you can make if you push through everything, right? And that's where you will stop. But those dials are very flexible, like life is, right? If you if you chase the pain around it, you will find the dial, right? Or how to move that dial further up or move the temperature further up, however you want to frame it. So, so I've been going, okay, I, I have hit a hit a number and it's great and it's wonderful. My life is awesome. And at the same point in time, I've, I've asked myself, if I stay where I am, while yes, it'll be comfortable and I have you know beautiful life and beautiful luxuries I get to enjoy, I won't find what's next, right? Mm-hmm. I won't discover anything different. And to me, that fear of the mundane is probably the most evident fear and most present fear to me right now, right? So it is when the fear of mundane, and I know that it is fearful for me because I have been mundane. Like it has happened to me before where it was so easy that it was so painful because it was so easy, right? It was just like, oh yeah, you could use a few hours of work every day and you will make like, you know, it's like clockwork. You set up everything for a clockwork. 
it'll just give you the same result. It's Groundhog Day every day. I was bored out of my mind. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to be bored out of my mind. I want life to present me with whatever that is. And if it's not going to present me, I'm going to create some. Right. So it's, that's why I said I have a love for pain, so to say, because I have a love for growth. So I go, hey, what is it that I need to do to grow? So the dial that I am moving in the past two weeks is rediscovering all of my programming around money dial and to go, okay, what is it that I I, I can make certain amount and it's very good, but at the same point in time, it's a number and it's a ceiling and it's a ceiling that if I don't challenge, will never be shattered. So when you move such dials, what happens is you create cracks uh, across many different areas, right? You may create a crack in your partnership, for example, right? Business partnership in your personal partnership, because you're going to turn that dial. It, it impacts everything. Money impacts pretty much across the board, everything, except maybe friendships. But everything else is going to turn, right? Your business partnership is going to experience it as your money dial moves. Your life partner is going to experience it. Uh, your parents might experience it. Your loved ones might. Like, there are many people who may, your employees may experience it. There are many people who are directly impacted by your money story who will all experience the moment you turn the dial or you start turning the dial. And so there are certain people who are starting to experience the pain of me turning my dial, which means that we will have conflicting conversations. Now, when you turn such a dial, and that's why I said a lot of times the pain is psychological and emotional and spiritual. It has nothing to do with, it's not causing me any physical harm, but I have to have those difficult conversations, which are psychologically terrorizing uh, because you're going to have a difficult conversation with somebody you love, right? And you go, oh, we're going to talk about this, which I know is going to hurt you in some way, but I'm going to talk about it because I know I'm turning this dial and it's good for everyone. It's not like the result is probably going to be great for everyone, but the process is going to be shit <laughs> process, right? It's going to hurt. It's going to create cracks. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be challenging. But if you're open to it and if you're willing to do the work, you will find that you would, uh, you would also do the kinshuki with it, which is, uh, it, it, I don't know if the term is familiar to your listeners, but kinshuki is the term for Japanese art of rebuilding anything that's broken. So in Japanese culture, when something valuable is broken, they don't throw it away. They rebuild it with gold as the, as the way to mend the, the brokenness of it to make it even more valuable than it was before. So that art of Kinshuki of, of, I think Kinshuki is the name of it, uh, is, is what I know you need to do in your relationships because every time you turn that knob, it's going to create some cracks and you need to heal it, uh, almost immediately. So it becomes even more beautiful than before. So, so that's kind of what I am doing right now. Um, I've actually put myself through a whole challenge that also uh, surprisingly is a Japanese term that I stole. It's called Mishogi. Uh, mishogi is uh, a term that is used in the Japanese, some Japanese culture of finding your spirituality through pain. It's the summary of, of what it means. Um, and, and I put myself to a 60 day challenge on things that I'm fearful of that they will sign really silly to people that will, if they would listen what they are, but they're really fearful to me. They're really painful to me because I not wired that way. I haven't built my life around those things. And I want to change that. I want to form a new identity through the process of that pain or dealing with that pain or dealing with that fear on a day-to-day -day basis. So I put myself through a 60-day challenge to actually just do that. And it's not to get an outcome. It's all to say, I know that is something that's difficult for me. It's hard for me. It's somewhat painful for me. It's somewhat, uh, you know, it's not my identity, but I like it to be. 
And so I just chased that. And I've went at today's day 47 of it. And, and it's been phenomenal. And I'm looking forward to finishing those 60 and then doing another 60. Because I'm like, this is great. Like you pick your battle. You say, this is the fear we are going to take head on for the next 60 days. And then you just go chase that. Um, and you'll fall every day for sure. But you'll also form something within you that's way more powerful than what it was 60 days ago. Damn, dude, this is so good. Okay. I, I do want to... What's one of those things that might sound silly if you feel called to share? Like what's something mm-hmm. for you that's not your identity that's like tested that? So one of my things is that I find it really difficult to connect with a lot of people. I'm really good friends with my friends uh, and people that come in my close network. We, we're very thick. We like, you know, we can go deep real fast. But I don't have a, a wide network. Like I, I know a few people very well and I know a lot of names or I know a lot of faces, but I have not connected to them. And so one of the things that I ask myself to do is why is that? Like, why is it? Mm-hmm. Because not that I don't like people. I used to have a story that I'm an introvert, but I like, it's not that I don't like people. I like people. Some people I don't like just because the energy, <laughs> like yeah. it just, you know, sometimes your energy doesn't match yeah. with somebody. And I'm like, I don't need to hang out with them, mm-hmm. but it's enough people that I like the energy of that. I would love to actually know them more meaningfully and deeply, but because I've just never been that person, I don't make the effort. And what I've learned about, uh, thanks to some of my friends, is that I can be very intimidating to people because I sometimes, like people create a story about because of my businesses I built or life I live and so forth, that I am, you know, some ass or I am an intimidating guy to them yeah. or whatever that might be. Um, and so, uh, or I must be an ass because I'm successful. You know, so I, that's been present to me that that may be the thing. So I was like, hey, maybe I should make the effort. I don't have to wait for people to make effort. I can. So one of the efforts that is, which is difficult for me and is not in my core identity, is to reach out to one to two people every single day that are not in my core friendship group, but I have to make effort to connect with them. The reason why it's scary for me is because it also comes with the baggage of micro rejections. Every single Mm -hmm. time you text someone, you could have them not reply, right? You could send a video to someone and they could just ignore you. Right. So, so it's been a great practice for me to kind of lean into that. Uh, again, it's been phenomenal for me because I feel a lot more comfort in, in being able to reach out to anyone, being able to talk to anyone because of that. Um, but that's kind of a silly thing because most people, it's such a natural thing for them to do. Like, of course, I reach out to people and I talk to them all the time. I'm on my phone like half the time. I am not. I'm never on my phone which also is something that I had to build as uh, as an attitude to say, hey, if you want to network with people, you cannot physically meet everyone every day. That's not possible. That's maybe too much for yourself also based on your time. But you can talk to them through text, through WhatsApp messages, through audio notes, through video notes. And so that's where I am kind of reaching. And I know it, it may be silly for a lot of people to hear something that juvenile as that is a big challenge for me. Dang, dude. Thank you for sharing that. and. When you made this 60 day, so is it something new every 60 days or just doing something every 60 days? No, it's doing four or five things that I found are challenging for me for 60 straight days. So, and and I, I keep 80% point of failure, which means I don't have to actually achieve all of my goals. I can achieve 80% of my goals. It means the process of doing things. I can do 80% of them. And I'll, I'll still feel successful for myself because I found that I don't... Mm. 
I don't want to feel like a failure just because, you know, I also have a life that I live. So it's, <laughs> I'm trying to build a new identity. I want to be in love with that identity, not hate the process that I will quit the process halfway or I would quit, uh, you know, the outcome of the process or, or you know, try to find a reason why I shouldn't do it. Um, so I, I just kept that as, but you do it for 60 days because you're building a new identity. That's the outcome of it, is that the process of doing it, it it's, that's why it's not goal-oriented. I'm not saying I need to network with person X so I can have a business deal. There's no outcome. The point is, do it every day because what we do every day becomes our identity becomes a part of us, even if we don't do it to the same expectation that we set ourselves up for. So even if I don't reach out to two people every day, if I reach out to two people every four days, I have still upgraded my identity by 100%, maybe even 200% in this case, right? Because before that, I was not texting anyone except my friends, right? People that I'm already close with, right? People I'm already hanging out with, right? Which was not expanding my network in any way, right? So that's kind of how you approach this approach, or at least that's my approach, this approach. Yeah, that's cool. And man, there's so many good little golden nuggets in there and little winks at me even. So thank you for sharing that because I needed mm-hmm. to, to hear that. Um, and I feel like how you mentioned the micro rejections, that's another thing I feel like people don't realize why they're not doing something because there's this balance of like... of Am I unnecessarily suffering, right? Which is like, I'm creating my own suffering or am I choosing it, right? Kind of like what you're doing of like, hey, is I'm going to intentionally expand and grow versus someone who's like, hey, you're choosing a, you're choosing a familiar pain because like an alternative joy is different and scary to you. And it's mm-hmm. like, you're staying in the same shitty job and relationship. Like that's different, you know, versus what you're doing. I just want to point that out. and. And I, I just love, and it's cool to see of how you realized why you might just call yourself an introvert. That may be true. And it may be just a preference that you don't want to communicate with more people. Or is it that you have a fear of rejection? Yeah. It may not even be big things, but it might be like small things that you're actually just like telling yourself something. You're just telling yourself a story because you're actually so afraid. That is, that is so true. And I found most of us love these labels that you know, anybody finds for us. Oh, I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Oh, I am a quick start. I am a strong follow through. Whatever is the test that you did and it told you you are X is is a box that, yes, helps us understand ourselves a little bit better, but it's not definitive of who we are because there is no way anybody could design a test that can truly define who you are. And you know that truth within us ourselves, right? We know in our souls that yes, I show tenden- tendencies for X, but that's not who I am. Because tell me an introvert that is also an introvert when they're with their best friend. They're not bloody introverted. They are partying it up. They're doing whatever they can. They're hanging out with them. They're going for the walk. They're not saying, oh, let me look at the clock. I must take my introvert break right now. No, that doesn't happen. They're not introverted with their partner if they love them. They're not introverted with their dog. They're not introverted with anything that they love right? They're introverted. They're not introverted with their mother. They're introverted because it is a narrative and a story that is convenient to pick, to let fear run our reality, right? And that's the same for extroverted. There is nobody extroverted. Extroverted needs, an extroverted that is loving the party also needs to go back home and say, I need to sleep by myself, right? I need to watch TV for 30 minutes. 
right? Which is an introvert behavior. How dare an extrovert does that? <laughs> because you can't categorize people like that. It's not true for anyone. Your DNA is so unique that no personality test can actually truly define you. Can it give you some tendencies? Can it give you some direction? Can you give a little bit better understanding of yourself so you can work with yourself better? Yes. But that's the point of the test. That's the point of the label. The point of the label is not to define you, but it's to help you understand so you can work with yourself better. So I, I really, I really uh, found it better because I always diagnose as an introvert. And I found myself to be now saying I don't identify as an introvert because I knew why I was picking that box every single time. And why were you? Because it's safe. Because mm -hmm. I don't have to put myself out there. Because I can make another excuse to not go to a party and introduce myself to new people or attend a networking dinner. Or, you know, just it's safer for you. Your insecurity is what is really talking. It's not your introvertedness. If you're an introvert, you would still go to a party, meet five people, and then come back and say, I'm going to take a chill pill. That's an introvert behavior. You not going to the party is a self-confidence issue. It's an insecurity issue, right? So I, I think that's the that's the fun thing of the social media memes that you would see. Oh, I canceled the plans last minute. I'm an introvert. No, you're not. You're insecure. You're not <laughs> confident in what you're doing. You're not an introvert. An introvert doesn't not go to the party. They go to the party. They may leave the party early. They may need some time after. They don't hate people. That's not what an introvert is. That is your confidence. You are uncomfortable. So you can build that skill. And then you will be confident and you will go to the party. You may need less time at the party, but that's okay. That's a different thing than not going there. That's a very different thing. Mm, damn, dude. And like maybe just not going to every party. Like if you're not going to every party, but maybe say like, hey, I'm going to go to like half of them I'm invited to or something, you know, but completely avoiding it altogether. I concur. Yeah. as like a fearful behavior. And one of my favorite things to do, Ajit, is like uncover new stories or blanket statements that we feel like is something else, but it's actually just fear. And you just gave me a new one, dude. So for like introvert and extrovert. So thank you for sharing that. I definitely want to talk about that more because one of them is just like procrastination. Like, oh, I'm lazy. It's like, no, actually you're just afraid, right? It's like you're afraid of the outcome, whether it's finishing, starting, whatever. So you avoid it altogether. And so I love... Because that's something people don't realize is that procrastination is rooted in fear. But I love the fact of even like being an introvert is that and also extroverted, like what you said, right? Of like, if you're just always like fist bumping in the club, you know, and then it's like, you probably have an insecure, like you need external validation. And you're not okay with the silence and being with yourself. You know, like we all have, like you said, different DNA and different wounding or different experiences, whatever it means. I mean, you can't put anyone in a box. So I appreciate you saying that. That's that's one of my takeaways from this combo. Yeah. And as we start to yeah, start to wind down, like I'm curious with the money thing you talked about, because for you, and even you know, this would be my story, like looking at you, right? Of like, I just got a maid, bro. Like he doesn't have to worry about anything. Mm -hmm. That's my assumption. And so for you, I'm like, what is your, hmm, what I, because you were talking about like, yeah, you don't want to, you know, settle for mediocrity or just all mundane, right? Being stuck in the mund mundane is what you said. So what is your value or the why behind it? Like, 
Because you objectively know, I know you logically know, it's like, I'm good. So what is your why behind that? And how do you turn that dial for you personally? Is it working more? Is it saying yes to more things? So what is your why and method between turning that dial for money? So if I understood the question correctly, so if so, the discovery that I always have is where is it that I am settling and where is it that it's kind of the same as not yesterday, but let's say last year or last six months or whatever it might be, right? And the discovery for that is because I am curious about life. So, so it's always if I feel like I'm settling or if I feel like this is comfortable, it must be challenged because it means if I don't challenge it, I wouldn't find anything new. Now, some things I don't want to challenge as well, right? There are certain things I'm like, I don't want to challenge something that is a sense of safety for my entire family, right? Or a sense of safety for me in a way that I don't want to challenge just yet. Like right? you're not going to go place your whole bank account on black. And yeah, <laughs> like I'm not going to go do that. Or I'm not going to say, all right, we are selling everything and moving to an RV. Because it's it creates a sense of insecurity for a much larger group of people than myself. Right. So I wouldn't do that or fire everybody just to get uncomfortable. Not not like that. Right. But it needs to still be curious towards saying, OK, what, what is it that I am? I am not discovering because I'm living in the comfort of what is right. And that can appear to be anything. And that's very intuitive. Like, for example, the, the example of Mishogi that I was giving money is not a thing in that list at all. It is uh, usually it's mostly around health, networking, learning. And what is it? Let me just see it. And visibility is one of them because social media is something that I've always been bothered by. So I said, no, I don't want to be bothered by it. I want to learn how to be great on social media, right? So that's that's one of those things. So I said, these are the things that I'm uncomfortable with. Uh, These are the things that trigger a fear in me or these are the things that, this has nothing to do with money, as you can see. None of those things were that. So my 60 has nothing to do with money. Money is something that just became as one of the things I'm like, oh, I'm settling here. Because it's getting comfortable. So let's move the style as well, get better at this, right? How how would somebody who is very wealthy operate in this uh in this in this reality? And what would they move, right? So that's a new thing that wasn't a part of the 60. But the 60 is designed around nothing. All of it basically. It could be different things, and you could choose your own experience. And all of that is designed intuitively. Is to say, okay, do I have a body that I'm proud of? This was me 48 days ago, right? I'm like, not really. What if I challenged my body, right? I need to have number of movements, this much strength training, this much food. This is the type of protein. This is the amount of water that I need to drink to challenge how I frame my physical well-being. Like not only just the body, but physical well-being. I'm like, I could be better. I could do better. I'm getting comfortable in this because I don't necessarily look bad or anything like that. I'm comfortable with it. Let's challenge it, right? Let's challenge what can be done, right? So that became the first part of Mishogi. These are different variables that were in there. Am I comfortable with my network? Am I comfortable when I'm in presence of people? Oh, no, not really. You're not reaching out to them. You're not building new connections. You're not actually actively pursuing a community. You're just, you know, there for the friends that you have, but not really pursuing anyone or new relationships and new friendships. Let's put that into the thing. Intuitively, what else do I want to do? Well, you know, my team really says that I need to think about social media differently. And I do want to be able to present these ideas, not in an hour long format and podcast all the time, which is what I do. And I have, I have my podcast, I have my YouTube videos, which I'm very comfortable with. But I know a lot of people 
like to consume on a platform like Instagram. And that is a new skill because you have to say the same thing that you said in an hour in 15 seconds or 30 seconds, right? Different skills, very uncomfortable with it. Let's see if we can do something about it, right? And all of those things were intuitive to say, this is what I want to work on now, right? And there's disruption in all of them and growth because of that work in all of them. Now, next 60 may feel something completely different. Next, next 60 may be completely different and they will all be intuitive as well. So what will I tackle next at the stage of life that I am at? Because like I said, there is, I could just not tackle anything as well. And I can just be, and I'm fine. Like I would be okay. And I would still be not only successful in that sense, like my, my family life is fine. My love relationship is great. My kids are great. I'm, I live a full life. I'm blessed like that. But it's not gonna it's not gonna be exciting for me. And if I'm not excited, I don't think anybody around me will be excited. Uh, and so I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that for myself. I don't want to do that for my family and for my friends and everybody. And I see because I change, they change. Even if they were not even thinking about it, they start to talk about the same things that I was talking about. So it it's better for everyone that I keep growing, mostly for me. But then as a consequence, everybody grows as well. So so why not? Like my my students grow because of that as well, because they go, wow, I just looks different. What are you doing as it? Oh, this is what I'm doing. They go, wow, I need to do that too. Great. A uh, hundred more lives changed thanks to you doing something for yourself. Like it wasn't even intentional to do something, right? So I think that's where all the, what am I going to challenge that comes from? It's purely intuitive. Mm, and even just to echo that more, I feel like, You've, you've already said that, but it's not necessarily about the outcome for you. Is even the money thing, right? It's for you, it sounds like who you're becoming. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like that's... So I didn't say it and I don't remember who said it, but I think it's from Simon Sinek's book, Infinite Game. I could be wrong though. But basically what happens is we think our lives are finite. And because of that, we approach everything in our life as very finite. It's like, I need to get six pack this summer, yeah. right? I need to make a million dollars this year, right? I need to do why, whatever the thing is like this time in a time period as if life is lived in finite terms. Life is not lived in finite terms. Life is lived at a very extended long period of time. If you're a 30 year old, 40 year old, 50 year old, you have at least 30 more years to go. You cannot in any way design an outcome for 30 years. You can think you can, but you can't. Because life's going to be very different in 30 years from now, and you're going to be very different in 30 years from now. What you can do constantly is to play the game of 30, 40, 50 years, which means you're not going to go for an outcome in 30 years. You're going for a beingness in 30 years, right? You'll go, who am I as a person? Or what do I need to unlock, discover, find, challenge within myself? So I win the infinite game. And I call it infinite game mostly because... I don't know why I call it infinite game. You do die. You do have a finite life, but it's infinite in the sense of you can't really predict a 30 or 40 or a 50 year outcome. I don't think anybody can. Um, You could be the smartest person. I don't think you still will be accurate about it. You could say you can predict it, but you can't. Uh, So what you're really going for is the infinite game. And that's only about identity. And identity is all about who you become on a day-to-day basis. Then why chase goals? You can have goals. It's good to have. It's good to have some measure of success. But even when I have measures of success, I actually those measures don't actually define me. They're just there because it's a goalpost. It feels good that you're moving towards goal. It orients our mind better. It's mostly for my mind, but not for my soul. 
Mm. For my soul, it's the infinite game. I became better in the last 48 days because I chose to focus on my health, on my network, on my social media presence, on my money dial, whatever that might be, because I chose that. I became better as a person in those areas. And I'm excited to see what else I'll become better at over time. Dang, dude, that's really good. And it's not, you know, I think that why we set those goals around anything, but around the topic of just specifically money is because, well, it's because I'm not enough. Right. And from my sense, of course, like, I'm not sure about you is like, I definitely have those moments of feeling like not enough. But generally speaking is like, my soul knows, like, I know that I am enough. And like, if it's an arbitrary money goal, it's usually trying to, you know, fill some hole of worth or value or insecurity in that way. And so I just wanted to just echo that for people of like, why you're doing it, the why behind it isn't just to do it because you don't feel empty or enough. You're actually doing it of what you just explained of playing the infinite game to like become you and to to expand and to experience this life instead of just settling for mediocrity. Yeah, it's so true. And you're you're so right. It it may be, and I I, I haven't thought about it that way, the way that you just presented. The reason why we do set goals is because we feel that finally then we'll be good enough when we cross that mark and when you cross that goal or whatever the thing that you put as a goalpost for yourself. But you're also right that you need, you're enough right now. This there's not, the goalpost is not going to make you feel enough. You can feel that right now or be that right now, or you will never be. <laughs> the goal is not going to do it for you. You're just going to find another one and then go, then finally I'll be enough. But that's, it's not, it's not the way to do it. Exactly, dude. So, Thank you so much for diving in, saying things. Um, it sounds like that you haven't explored exactly before. And I appreciate you going to disrupting, cracking the vase a little bit here with me today in, in different ways and sharing your wisdom, your experience, your mind. And I feel like one of the most important things is like your heart. And I just want to reflect back to of like, I feel that and I see that. And that's definitely something like, I don't even know you that well, but I admire that of how you can merge those two things. And I just want to shout that out and celebrate that. Um, and seriously, dude, I appreciate your time. Um, I know it's valuable and your energy here today. Is there anything else you want to leave us with or tell people where to connect with you in, in your many endeavors? Thank you so much, Ben. Um, well, I think because you're you're doing such important work, like the work of fear, I think is one of the most important things for, for us as human beings, because once we learn how to work with it or conquer it in moments or uh, navigate it when we can't conquer it and so forth, I think if we could learn that, we have a wonderful, beautiful life waiting for us. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for making it available to uh, everyone that is that is listening to this right now or watching this right now. Because this is this is one of those fights, if you may call it, that we all have, the battles that we all have. And we must all learn how to work with it for us to have the most wonderful lives that we want. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank uh, you, dude. I appreciate Ajit. that. Uh, you can find me on social as Coach Ajit. And uh, my companies are all listed on my social profile. So just go look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And I will also put everything in the description and show notes. So... 
Thank you everybody for watching or listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Please click the like button, all the things that people tell you to do. Leave a review, all those fun things. And we'd appreciate it so much. And you all have a beautiful day.